All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna intro the show. Like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this, this has been a long time coming, Jeff. We've made it to episode fifty. 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 <laughs> and then you're gonna put in a song, yeah, yeah, like, hey, yeah, 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 or something, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Do something. Hey guys. I hope not. Welcome to episode 50 of Out the Bar Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike, as always. And joining me for the first time in a year. A year. A year. Live. At least a year. Live. We're, all, we're actually sitting at the same table right now. Yeah, sitting at the same table, not Imagine on Google that. Hangouts. It's El Jefe. Hey. Or Hollywood. Hey. Or the official boat model. I'm the sailing model. <laughs> the Part-time. sailing model. <laughs> Part-time sailing model. And joining us opposite the table of me, he is the writer for the Backpack Social blog. We have RJ. Hey, everybody. What's up, man? How are you? Oh, you know me, just living the dream. I'm dressed <laughs> as, as hipster, homeless man as I can be today, I think. So. It's like Jurassic Park's a little bit cold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, our yes man. Always says yes, always down for whatever we want to do. Ryan Parker of Red Cyphers. How are you, man? Good, how are you guys doing? Good, good. So I didn't plan this out too far in advance in terms of how we're going to intro the show. But we're here, episode 50, at Red Cyphers. Last time we had Ryan on was episode 7 or 6. So you've almost been there the whole time. Yeah, almost the whole time. And I did promise in this time we were not going to go four hours. Yeah. So just in case <laughs> yeah. you guys are wondering if we were going to do another one of those episodes. Yeah, not going to happen. Not today. But before we get started <laughs> and talk to Ryan about craft beer, we're blessing the table and Jeff doing the Jeff thing and just drinking oh, it. I'm sorry. I did that. <laughs> we're blessing the table, guys, with it being Sunday. This is Preston's from Baybor Brew. Bayboro Brewing. He needs to change the name. Bayboro. Or the Beer Chasers. This Alliteration. is peanut butter, chocolate, V6. So we're going to bless the table with it being episode 50. So cheers. What do you guys think? Jeff, what do you think? It's really good. It's a lot of peanut butter. Not as much chocolate, which is awesome for me because I'm not mm-hmm. a big chocolate person, but it's right. definitely there. Solid beer. Ryan, what do you think? I think it's good. It's yeah. a solid porter. Um, yeah, both of the. I actually get a good amount of chocolate, which I prefer. So, yeah. okay. so it's Red Cypress approved? It's approved. <laughs> okay. RJ, now we've had this a couple of weeks ago at the Bad Business Beer Fest. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and everybody knows me. I love uh, Bayboro Brewing. Bayboro. Yeah, because I can say it properly. And uh, I'm a big fan of Preston. <laughs> I think he just makes really good beer. I mean, the guy, just he's on point. Yeah. 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 We've, uh, we've been fans of his for a while. Yeah, on for the a long show, time. <laughs> we've, we've tried a lot of his beers. But. Yeah. So this is good beer. So we're all drinking beer. I know uh, RJ got the quickie. I did. That just came out uh, yesterday. Yeah, it's really good. I like it a lot. I love a good uh, Berliner, though. That's like a goes Berliner. Anything that's got a little bit of bitterness to it. Yeah. You know, really kicks in the teeth. We finally like have it. a Berliner fan. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm about to cry. So, Ryan, if you don't mind going into a little bit of the, of the quickie beer here, kind of what inspired what yeah. the thought process yeah, behind Yeah, so if that. you look at the label, it actually kind of resembles um, like the Slurpee, you know, <laughs> design uh, with the bright colors and even just the design itself. And Obviously, then, um, if you're a fan of The Simpsons, you know what the Quickie Mart is. So it's kind of a combination of the two for the name. And so with this one, it was, you know, we just did, like, your traditional um, kettle-soured Berliner. And then um, after primary fermentation, we added in blackberries, um, cherries, and lime um, to kind of accentuate that tartness and give it its wonderful color. It is super red. And I like that. Like Kool-Aid. Like Kool-Aid. Yeah, as soon as I think about it, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to take it and... Uh, I'm just, I'm, we're we're friends fine. already, man. We got this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. 
Uh, no, you know what? It would be really cool. I'm just thinking about it because of the the naming and the color. Like it would be really cool just to crush up ice and make it into like a Slurpee type uh, mm-hmm. drink. Like yeah. that would be awesome. A summertime actual Quickie Mart style. You yeah. Know, crushed. Uh, yeah. That's all I can think of right now is I just want to put it into a Slurpee. That machine. is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So, Jeff, what are you drinking? So I have. You guys know my love affair <laughs> with Death Roll. My favorite stout, hands down. Uh, but this is the Imperial S'mores Death Roll, and it's phenomenal, by the way. All right, Ryan, back to you. <laughs> yeah, and back to you. <laughs> back to you. So what kind of – I know you do treatments of the Death Roll all the time. Yeah. Uh, weekly, I believe, or not, not, monthly? Well, it depends. You know, So we'll do like, like one or two cake treatments of Death Roll as, right. as batches come out. Um, but when we do the Imperial versions, those are, those are entire batches. Um, which is why w- what allows us to can it and everything. Right. So how do you get the idea of doing all these different – because you've had the coconut, which is my favorite. You've had the mocha. Mm-hmm. You've had the s'mores. You've had – I think uh, This is my favorite. A ton of others. So how do you – like how do you not get repeat or the same idea over and over again? You know, I mean, one of the things is that we really um, – we don't want to really be known for just any one thing. Right. You know, and so like right now, like we – probably could have another imperial death roll in the tanks but you know we're just we we honestly we take our time a little bit and we really think about what we want to do um you know coconut might make a return back it's one of those ones how it was received you know um it might even make a return back uh after being aged in bourbon barrels it's something we've been talking about Mm. you know so we're not against doing it again but at the same time you know if 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 to us if the beer isn't like 99 out of 100 we're going to think of something different um, and what to do. I mean, having that high standard is always a good thing. And I feel like a lot of breweries don't do that. They just kind of like, uh, we'll just make it something. Well, that's why everything that we try here is always awesome. Right. And that's like, like, like we actually went through, so like when we do our, you know, our canning runs, we end up having extra labels and we were going through, we had a, a ton, right? Cause we were, we've been averaging like two beers every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And so we honestly ended up tossing almost all of our extra labels, except maybe like four or five that we actually deemed were like, we will probably do this one again at some point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Oh, dude, the coconut's so... Have you, have you RJ, have the coconut? Uh, the coconut? No, I never had that one. Dude, it's the best one. But yeah. you're, you're digging the s'mores, no, I, this is. I mean, I love that coconut one, but this is like... Well, you know me. I like that bit, like, syrupy, boozy, mm-hmm. really, like, sweet in your back of your throat, make your tongue kind of water kind of beer, and that's what this is. Like, yeah, that's a high ABV, but it's also just, like, that big syrupy powerhouse imperial stout that I like. And yeah. It's, but it's also smooth and, and has so much flavor that it doesn't just taste like alcohol. So, I mean, it's just, to me, this is a great beer. It's a perfect yeah. beer. So, we're going we're to lay it on you, Ryan, a little bit, a little bit hard this episode. Uh-oh. Because there's been such a gap with having you on. Yeah. First time we had you on was a, a behind-the-scenes disaster. Of no. All the beers were all mixed up. We, it wasn't a disaster. We were it all drunk. Really it was long. three hours, whatever. <laughs> so, we had you on. You were open for three to four months. You just hit distro. You're now open just over two years. Yep. What has... I know this is a, such an open-ended question, but what has changed maybe with the brewery since then? Yeah. And maybe kind of like with your mentality of being running a brewery. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, if we're going to look at some of the things that have come our way that we didn't really anticipate or that we actually didn't really have any control over is mm-hmm. we definitely, I mean, we switched distributors. Um, that was our, our distributor at the time, Brown, like shut down mm-hmm. in our part of the state. And mm-hmm. so our entire distribution map actually went over to Florida Distributing Company. Um, that happened six months 
like it was announced four months after we started distributing and happened like six months after. So that was actually a pretty, pretty tough thing for us because, I mean, when you look at when those deals were probably being produced or, or kind of talked about, we weren't even distributing at that point. Right. So, you know, that was a big thing for us was trying to make sure that we got a uh, share of mind with our distributor, knowing that when that deal was put, to, put together, we probably weren't even in a cons- any consideration. Mm-hmm. So that was one. Um, and then even since then, you know, uh, two of those counties that went to Florida Distributing actually now have gone to Daytona Beverage because then FDC shut down in Volusia and Flagler. Oh. So it's been like a... It's, it's a puzzle. Yeah, and these are just <laughs> things that we we just didn't, we couldn't plan on um, and really don't have much of a say. I mean, when it comes to it, we could fight it somewhat. Um, sure. You know, and, and kind of going back, I'd probably put, try to sneak in some more exit clauses into our contracts but really the the laws are written in the way that um it would take a legal fight for us not to transfer with if if both of the if the two distributors agreed to it right i mean that must be a pain in the ass because i mean you're at the will of the distributor in terms of yeah i mean the big thing is like like how the laws are written is that like we have to consent but then it also says that we cannot unreasonably withhold consent and so like how do you prove that going from a Miller house to a Bud house is going to be um, negative for you in terms of right. like just pure revenue and numbers. And that's what, like, I mean, you could, you could make an argument maybe about perception and about, you know, a few, any other things, but really when it comes down to it, like the, you know, there was no way that we could li- we could go into and, and argue our way out of that. Right. Well, yeah. You're out the will distributor. And when you made, and I remember distinctly, because I was was still at World of Beer at that time, and I was buying, uh, I was still a buyer, kind of on my way out as a buyer at that time. But when that change happened, you went from a distributor that focused on local, very, I mean, Brown had everything in Florida, a lot in Florida. Their craft warehouse that hit the entire, almost the entire state was based in Orlando, and we were their only central Florida brewery. Right. And And then, but they had... They were a local focus. Mm-hmm. So they, when they went into a, for instance, when they went into a world of beer and, and hey, you need local beers, we have them. That's, that was their specialty. So when you go to an FDC and you're young in your distribution and you go, all of a sudden they transfer you in with all these national accounts, it, that could be real scary to say, oh, yeah, we were well, one are of, we going to get lost in, in this one national? Of yeah, you know. And then they also picked up all the Florida stuff too. So it's like, where do you fit in the hierarchy of the local stuff now? that that they're just learning how to sell yeah exactly i mean and it's like because like we got transferred with brands like like founders but also then like cigar city funky buddha and Swamphead, where they have at least the numbers that they were kind of you know Mm -hmm. the the distributor was wanting um and that was actually a big reason why we ended up getting a canning line so quickly was because we wanted to launch cans right after that transition happened Mm -hmm. to kind of get um, Florida distributing sales team excited and aware of us and what we were doing, right. you know, kind of be that shiny new toy again. I mean, it, yeah, it has to be hard and scary to, to be, you'd be buried in all the brands. Oh, I mean, and, and, and we, it, in terms of distribution, it definitely hurt us quite a bit because we also saw bars stop buying from Brown for like a month leading up to the transition. We were, I don't want to say that we were guaranteed to be at food and wine, but I think we were pretty much, I think we were pretty close to being in. Mm-hmm. But then if you looked at who Food & Wine picked up that year, there was not a single brown brand on there. And it was because of that risk of that, that changeover. And Yeah. I mean, because if you looked at it where, like, Cigar City had been on it the past couple of years, Funky Booty had been there, Funky Booty had been there, 
none of them there were there. And so, yeah, it was. It's it, yeah. So you had the, the distribution problems, but you know, kind of more along the lines of you know, what's changed in terms of has the quality gotten better? I mean, I think so. From a new brewery to an established brewery, brewery, your quality has to learn learning the system, getting yeah. better, trying new things. So how has like being older gotten? I guess I get more or less easier per se, or has it gotten more challenging to where the expectation is a lot higher because it's Red Cypher, you've been over for two years compared to being a new brewery. Um, you know, I mean, it's the good thing, I guess, for us is like I like to think that our quality has always been like spot oh, yeah. on, especially. Right. Um, you know, when, when we're comparing ourselves to other brewers in the state. And I think, you know, winning that, that medal at JBF exactly one year to the day that we had tapped our first beer mm-hmm. um, yeah. was kind of indicative of that. Because to me, like, it, it meant that beer was good, but really, it, to me, it meant that our process was good. Because yeah. it wasn't just that beer, you know, winning a silver, but if you looked at, like, Devil's Chair and Spook Hill, and I think we sent in Fruit de la Terre that first year, they all made it to the medal round. So oh, wow. to, to get, you know, and, and nobody really talks about that because right. it's kind of hard to say, like, like, does that mean we were technically fourth or were we like 12th? Because how, how they judge at GABF is that first round is just knocking off anyone that doesn't fit that the doesn't style, <laughs> that doesn't, um, that, that has any imperfections. And so even just to get to the metal round means that um, all of our beer was solid. Right. Yeah. So what did it mean to win that medal? Because I know we were excited. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we did that whole episode. We're like, can you believe it? Red Cypher's a year old. After we'd been metal. talking about them for a year. Yeah, no, we're validated. <laughs> how, yeah. So, how that mean as an owner to, to take that home? You know, I think I think the best way to put it was how my my brother works at Southern over in Tampa. Um, and he had said that um, it was like like being um, like a like your first year professional and like winning an Olympic medal. Like that's kind of how it was, you know, I mean, it was, and especially to be only one of two in the entire state, Mm -hmm. you know, and to win it with one of our, what was one of our core beers at the time. I mean, it was a really big deal for us. I bet. I mean, I'll say, and I've said it on the show before you can fact check this, (laughs) but from the beginning, you were first on, like we said, what, four months, four months, three to four months, they were open. Yeah. And I said that death roll was the best out in the state and i stand by that still now two years that you guys have been open and i still death roll is my favorite stout well see there's something to be said with that as well right so you do a lot of treatments with death roll well for it to be that good you would need it to be a cer- certain level of quality right you have to have that base to be almost perfect well, and that was kind of it, right yeah like like a lot of the criticism we got for that first year or so was because like we weren't putting out anything that was like quote-unquote exciting like we weren't putting out things that had like like fruit or additives in it it was because we wanted to make sure that that base beer was really solid like so like we just you know a couple months ago we just finally did like that blood orange devil's chair and that was a large batch but we didn't want to do it until we were really really happy with where that base beer was because you know when you taste blood orange devil's chair to regular devil's chair you should be able to tell that difference and just kind of what it adds or takes away. Um, We didn't want it to hide anything. That was the big thing. I mean, that's what, I mean, we've said on the show is, is having that core beer, that base beer being phenomenal or the best you can make it and then go off that. Right. And then in the problem, we've talked about this as well, is that people will do a base beer that's meant to be a base beer. So it's lackluster in every way, just enough to be Hey, it it hits style, but we can do anything we want with it. But for a, a base beer, per se, a core line, a core beer, uh, to stand on its own exceptionally well, but then also lend to being treated well, 
is is rare and it's really awesome to find because i mean death roll when i first tried it i was like that and and i'm, I'm like there has to be flavors added to this it has so much flavor i'm like there has to be something and it's just it's the malt build and it's just it's incredibly complex for a, a stout just like a regular stout that you were calling that we're sitting here calling a base beer because it's right well, and that's, because it can build and that's on, where like so a lot good. of a lot of what we do is that when we're looking at doing any kind of variation, we're not just throwing stuff at it. Like we're looking at like like with like I said, going back to like Blood Orange Devil's Chair, right? The reason that we chose Blood Orange is because of the citrus that's already pl- present there with the hops and everything. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't throw Blood Orange into a batch of Spook Hill because those hops lend to a more tropical fruit like mango papaya taste, mm-hmm. which is why we have done a lot of treatments with guava Spook Hill. It just, but again, we wouldn't throw guava in Devil's Chair. They're just not going to match up. Right. So Death Roll was Jeff's first, first crush on the show. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. Two years later, you're still talking about it. I love it. It's my it is, it's my favorite style. I, I when I come to Orlando, I have to get it just right. because it's it's okay. You know, there's oh. other things to be said with your, your base beers, right? Because that's what you're canning, that's what you're putting out in distribution. That's how you get people interested. Why do they want to come here? Well, because they want to see what else you've got going. They want to get the special beers, right? So I don't if I'm grabbing uh, you know something from Red Cypress from I don't know uh, any distributor out there that I can purchase from Publix or. Uh, total wine or whatever and i grab that base beer and i'm like wow that's really good i wonder what else they have i'm gonna physically come here and and do more with it right and try more right right so you want to say something yeah well i mean i'll tell you a a perfect example of that and it's not i mean it's it's a local down by me uh in port st Lucie. there's a brewery called side door and they just opened and this place is like a tiny little closet um, they're operating out of a warehouse space that's un- unventilated, unair conditioned. I mean, it's it's as base of a brewery as you can ever go to. They just hit distribution only locally down there, and I went to the restaurant next door to mine. And they actually, I didn't even go there. The guy came over. He goes, "Hey, man, I know you like dark beers. Try this coffee stout from this brewery side door," and it was phenomenal. It's a great. It's uh, jittery, jittery. Coffee stout or something, jittery coffee stout is what it's called. That's what uh, that's what coffee stout does to me. I drink but, a big one. I'm like, ah. but I went. We literally. I, I came home that night. I was like, man, that beer was so good. Woke up the next day. I tell Cassie, we've got to go up to that brewery and see what they've got. So we go up there and try all their beers, and they are all solid beers. We did a twenty beer flight, and all of it's them, like, like all of them solid. That, that almost really? sounds so like, like uh, I need to go home and take a nap. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was. It was a little bit. It, I mean, this thing, the flight paddle, was like three feet long but it was it was a little intimidating but yeah we you did have, you have slaves and there was uh, only in, two in guest taps too there was only two guest taps there was like all their beers and they were like a little upstart brewery but their beers were all very good i mean not th- that jittery was the best beer that was the one that hooked me and got me in but it is important to get your best foot out in distribution similar to like cigar city's done forever with their core beers being so solid and you hook people with them, and then they come in, they check out what else you got. And it literally, I mean, I would not have gone to that brewery that day if I didn't try that one beer that one time on tap at that one place. You know what I mean? Right. So, Ryan, back to you again. <laughs> so what We're has... you. <laughs> yeah. What has, I'm loving it, though. I love these questions. I'm fascinated by, by breweries in general, so being able to hear Ryan talk about it is actually pretty cool. Right. So what has owning a brewery for now for over two years changed your perception now from then when you first started yeah i think so i mean i think that when we decided to open up the market looked very different than it does now um i never thought that we would be doing all of these limited canning runs at first <laughs> you know um but it's, a lot <laughs> yeah um but Love you know it. it's just it's kind of something that 
after paying attention to what everyone else is, not everyone, but what other people are doing in the country and kind of who we want to be and, you know, get people excited about us, but also get people, you know, to our tap room as well um, is something that we started doing, you know. And so, like, it's like one of our things that I never would have thought that we would have done is, like, with our, our one-offs, we hardly ever send them out around Orlando, um, keg or can or otherwise. Like, we'll send them, I'll send them up to Jacksonville, or I'll send them up to Georgia or North Carolina, but I won't send them around Orlando. Right. And that's, that is, it'll almost, I don't want to say forcing oh, people bring to the, come in. You bring the beer zombies here. You made them. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. Beer zombies, I like that. Yeah, beer zombies. But no, so is, is that really the, so for your, for your business, how you want to run your brewery? Burberry. Yeah, look yeah you can say now. I can say Bear Burrow, Bay Burrow, <laughs> Burr Burrow. <laughs> but, 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 but. Uh, what is it more important to get people coming into here, or is distribution of your core and getting that out as round as much possible more important to you, or is it a blend? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a blend, and I think that's what's been um, I don't want to say difficult, but what's been interesting is trying to figure out that mix. Like, because there have been times where we have our production meetings and we're like, okay, we got to focus on core right now. And then, like, after Irma, we had our production meeting. And we were like, uh, distribution's going to have to suffer. We have all these beers backlogged for the tap room. And we ended up pushing out, I don't even want to, like, seven or nine beers in October alone or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. It was just, And we were just trying to play catch-up because we had an issue where our chiller broke. And then by the time we got it fixed, it was, like, four days before Irma hit. And so we ended up going, like, almost three weeks without being able to brew. And so we had all of this stuff yeah. that was just back, and we just... I could just see, like, yeah. brewers in the back, like, scratching the next Jones in. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll brew your beer, man. Come on, dog. So I don't know if this is a thing, but I noticed on your tap list, uh, Sawmill. Yes. Is that Deep Roots? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so when we when we started, kind of decided what our cores were, we, we applied for trademarks for all of them. Um, Good move. Yeah. Well, except, and that's when we we did. We were kind of informed that Deep Roots was already taken by a brewery out in California. Um, now, we kind of we were like, well, you know, it's kind of a kind of a gamble um, with the, in that regard. And so, but then obviously with Deep Roots winning the medal at GBF, that became an issue. Yeah. And yeah. so then they kind of, that's actually when they became aware of it. Um, and then nothing really happened for a while, and then we ended up bringing Deep Roots up to Savor at DC, and they were there too. And then so it was like they, a rumble between and the they Jets had Deep Roots. They didn't, they didn't bring theirs. They had Deep Roots. Yeah. We were like, we'll Deep this Red Cyphers, that's two strikes. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you have to rename it. Yeah, they had said that they were going to send us something to like kind of coexist um, at first, but then um, it. Didn't ha- it yeah, didn't it, it was kind of something like I, honestly, like I was pushing for my business. Like I would, I would hope so. I would, you right, know. Right. And um, but at the end of the day, they had all the control and they had all the power in the situation. Yeah. So they made you change the name. Yeah. Well, they, not change the name, or but I had to stop using deep um, roots. Deep roots. Yeah. Deep roots is like a saying. Like, like I don't get like I, I understand you can trademark it and it's their name and blah blah. But like. Like deep roots is like a, a it's like a saying you can't yeah, like trademark sa- like common sayings right you can you name, yeah but if you're in California with the name deep roots like don't you have forest fires there's no deep roots in I'm California. trademarking happy birthday you're not allowed to say happy birthday anymore yeah. like what like what do you hey, mean that was true you can't you go to Chili's they make their own birthday songs I mean come I, on but it's insane to me like not that I mean I get it the trademark but 
deep roots, really? Like that's a that's it's be a problem the industry is going to have soon. Is that all these names are, we are running be, out of names? Yeah, yeah, we're running out of names. See, that's, that's one I thing mean, I love about Red Cypress is is their names. I think the names are so creative because they are unique to Florida. But if I had it somewhere else, I would have no clue. I would just get it with the branding. And you look at the can and everything, and you, and you get the idea. But really, when I hear like subdivisions, I immediately think or or Spook Hill. Like I I can't tell you how many times I've been in Lake Wales. And as a kid, we went up Spook Hill. Like it's it's ingrained in my in my Florida heritage. Right, and that's I mean that's the thing. Now that you brought up, we can just go into that topic. Your branding for your cans, I think, is top notch. To where I can, there, I, I mean, I work for a, a local beer distributor, I guess, or a store, right? Yeah, local. Local, and uh, I can spot it immediately on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Is that that, <laughs> that branding? Yeah, Fuck you, Jeff. local. Fuck you, Jeff. <laughs> So what kind of, like, is that the style you want to keep with? Like, what kind of goes into, like, the the story of your branding? Yeah, so, um, you know, we had a local artist do all of our original core branding or all of that design. Um, And we're actually, now that Subdivisions is taking over as a a year-round, he's actually working on that artwork right now. Okay. Um, You know, it's one of those things that um, it's actually, it's called, like, the billboard effect. And so that's why when you look at, like, brewery... um, like can or bottle designs they want to have that similar characteristics whether it's like just the overall design or the colors or whatever so that way when you know two or three or four are sitting on the shelf next to each other that's what you know the billboard they they all stick together yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. that's yeah almost like a like a movie reel like you're watching as the film goes around kind of deal yeah i get that and you see that a lot when you go to different places and you see them like line up all the cans into the coolers you can see the groupings together and it's like oh i really like seeing the i mean for example uh so six point they have a very very unique very similar look uh red cypress the same way um what was it uh lord hobo has a very belgium you know what i mean if you look at when they came out with their can designs it's white half different color bottle bottom and the the picture and that's mm-hmm. every single mm-hmm. one follows that exact same way and so that way you know when you see it without even having to really look at it you know it's a new belgium right i mean i think there's a, a a point to be said where labels can either be really clean and simple like modern times where it's a white can text you know colors or walking tree they have a very distinct oh, yeah. and then there is something to be said about super creative can art to where it's you can still see the beer you know what it is but it's not just like a hodgepodge just different things going on it's like uh, too crazy it like, looks like someone's like half sleep Pollock, yeah <laughs> yeah in the so, middle is where you don't want to be you can be right. as creative as you want or you could be as simple but in the middle is where it's like jumbled up kind of you get lost in translation really with like, that are you trying to put the name out there or are you trying to put your design out there one or the other i've seen beers where you don't even know what the beer is the design is everything and then there's like on the side label going vertically by the barcode like yeah Hey, this is their name, by the way. This is what we're selling. Right. Like too old. Tool, the thing, too old. I was just thinking that, yeah. Like too old. They no idea what it is. You don't even know what beer it is. You're looking at it. I've never even heard of that before, so I know It's really good. Fantastic Belgian style beers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, but too old. You don't even know what the hell you're looking at. And then you have to, you have to turn the can three or four times before you find right. the name of the beer. But right. yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> Lord Hobo is a black can with just some words on the side of it. Yeah, Boom gold, sauce gold or, white, black can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very specific look to it. So I've I have so many questions. So you do <laughs> you you do a lot of releases, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll start with that uh, question. One A of that is kind of what with the production. This, this meeting. question has twenty seven parts. The first question yeah. we're never organized. organized. We're never organized. And Mike's yeah. over yeah, here and with like bullet point word A's. 
So, kind of what went behind, like, the, the frequent releases? I think at some point, it was, like, every other weekend you guys were doing, like, yeah. at least two releases. Well, the, the idea was is that, um, you know, we were kind of doing them every once in a while. But then we, we realized that, um, you know, Orlando is pretty sp- spread out. And I say Orlando is in, like, Central Florida is pretty spread out. So, that's one of the reasons that we've actually kept our releases on Saturdays is we want people to be able to come in and then making sure that there's really a reason. So instead of doing a beer every week, we'd rather do two every two weeks. Makes sense. And that way someone doesn't feel the need to come here every week. But we, I think we could expect to see someone twice a month. I mean, right. that's not, you know, if they're, if they're within an hour or so, that's not unreasonable. Now, how has that worked out for you business-wise? Of, has, has it increased sales? Has it maybe more people are talking about Red Cypher? It's kind of... Has there been any distinct benefits yeah, to doing yeah, that, mo- you know, that it's, model? It, it's one of those we definitely see a lot of um, the local beer fans come in. And what I've noticed is because of the beers that we're putting in cans and the frequency that we're putting in cans that um, a lot of people are coming in and they'll buy like a case of each to trade with other people around the country. Sure. Um, so it's not uncommon on for like a release day to have like a table or, or two or three tables full of like 10 plus people that have all actually brought in beers that they've traded red cypress beers to get which is really cool because i Mm -hmm. i don't think anyone else in the area right now is really is getting that kind of trading action so nobody in central florida no and like i told you before we started the show every time i come up here mike's got something from you guys that he's that he's been saving for me so it's true and you yeah we try and trade it out and I'll take some stuff from South Florida market. And bring I like it up the here. idea that it's like I buy your beer, I trade it with someone else, and then I come to your brewery to drink the other beer that I traded for your beer. And that was <laughs> like, yeah, I literally that was, have this beer, and then this is the one you see. Mike got me one of these, and then I got you two cans, yeah. And so, I've, and then I come here and I drink it anyway because I want to drink it. It's, it's just, but that's like that's actually what changed our stance on on doing bottle shares here was once I realized how many how many of those were honestly based on people that have like bought our cans and then traded them for, for those beers. Right. So it wasn't just people coming to a place they wanted to hang out at. They had actually bought your product and then traded it to, and then brought it back here. Yeah. I mean like, so like you look at like these tables where they'll have, you know, like a dozen other breweries cans or bottles open, but everyone has like a case or two of our, our release from that day as well. So it's, yeah. I, I mean, I'll tell you, we had so much good, good luck with bottle shares at wab when we used to host them over at the ucf store um always when you when you get a collection of beer people in a place that sells good beer it doesn't matter what they bring in with them they're gonna buy your beer or they're gonna buy your food while they drink i mean they're gonna just they're gonna be respectful of the fact that you even gave them a chance to to use your space too and that's what i really loved was they were just like so grateful to man, we don't have to sit in somebody's garage or somebody's back porch and do this. We can actually come out to a place, get some really great beers. I always partnered a, re- a rare beer release with it as well so that they would come in and say, oh, man, I've got Hop Slam coming on or we've got something else coming on. And, you know, nothing like they're, they're sharing beers that are way cooler than anything we're putting on tap. But, <laughs> but it's still this year's Hop Slam, and they're going to try it somewhere, so they might as well try it, you know, at, at, while they're there for their bottle share and right. everybody always bought a beer or two they always bought food and they always had a good time and they were just so appreciative of us even giving them a space that yeah it's cool it's hard to find a place that's going to be like yeah you can bring outside beverages in but it really works out for you in the long run I think. yeah and it was kind of one of those things too we were a little hesitant at first also because there's a really weird law in the books just for winter springs where we're at where there's no like wine clubs allowed and so we just weren't sure kind of 
at first how that was going to fit for us um, just because what we didn't want to is we just when it comes to like us and our alcohol license our serving license is directly tied to our brewing license so one affects the other so we're really careful right. with both of them because yeah you can't do you can't yeah, shut as down long one as you're not, the other. Exactly. as long as you're not promoting it you're not encouraging it and people are just doing it on their own that's not really like i'm assuming the wine club thing is usually you're buying into something you're collectively doing it you've organized yeah. As long as it's disorganized. Yeah, you're just hosting a disorganized house party. Not even hosting. You're <laughs> just, just like saying this disorganized if you bring podcast. it in. I'm what are we going to talk about? Well, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so, part A. Part A. That's part, that was that's, that was part A. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Did we this is why I keep question? you on the show. This is why I keep you on the show. Thanks. So, the second half is with so many releases, the pressure of that beer turning out, like ex- having that expectation and having that beer turn out the way you wanted. You know, you haven't even, the beer's already been announced. It's coming. Like, there's no way you can't pull you can't pull the beer. What is that the pressure of trying it for the first time, knowing it's been it's being released, and maybe having it either turn out better than expected or having it turn out not as expected? Yeah. So one of the ones that you know it was that we were we were excited about at first to to make was the Let There Be Hops with Idaho Seven. We had never brewed with Idaho Seven before. A lot of people had been, um, but we but with it it was like a lot of times they're, they're pairing it with other hop varieties as well. So our Let There Be Hop series is like the single hop uh, New England style double IPA series that we're always just choosing one hop and just throwing in a, a ton of that. Um, and that was the one like with Idaho 7, we just didn't know how that was going to come out. And it didn't, and to be honest, it just didn't turn out as well as we wanted. And maybe part of that too was because the previous one had been the Citra version, which we were ecstatic with. Right, you know, and everyone right. really loved, and the can sold out right away. And so, like, the Idaho 7 just kind of following that. It, it was good, but it just wasn't on that same level. Right. And what what if the, the flip side of uh, you try a beer for the first time and it turned out better than expected? Has, has that kind of happened to you, per se? And well, maybe I, it was that coconut death roll? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's honestly one of those that um, – we're so hard on ourselves that I, I don't know if a beer has ever exceeded our expectations. Does that make sense? I like that. You're drinking beer like, it is acceptable. This is great. Yeah. This well, is great. It's, it's, it's actually, it's like one of those, like, so we, d- we did our fest beer, and it was like, like our head brewer, Garrett, tried it at once we were, as we were canning it, and he's like, this is good. And I was like, "That's about as that's about as, <laughs> Throw it as out. high of a no, no. <laughs> Did you hear no I mean, him? that's about as high of a compliment as he'll ever oh, give yeah. his own yeah. beer." Okay. So then I'm like, "Okay, that means that's actually a really solid <laughs> beer coming out." If he's like, "It's good," five out of five on Untapped. Have, have you ever have you ever made a beer and something's gone wrong? You did something by accident and it was a happy accident. And it ended up being great, so you've gone with that that recipe or that style. There are no accidents in beer. Oh, I mean, I would say the, the cigar city. The, the only, the only time I guess you would, I'd kind of say we've experienced anything like that would definitely be, um, with our our wood program. Mm. You know, like like the one that we just released yesterday, Wild Ones. It was 14 months old and a French oak fooder that was made in France, shipped out to Napa Valley, made 300 dollars bottles of wine. And when they retired, it we bought it. All we did was we brewed into it. It fermented. We pitched um, some Brett, but then things kept happening, and so we realized that there was there's definitely some other some other bacteria in there that's that's doing its thing. And so that was a happy accident in the sense that we didn't realize that it was going to sour at all. It's not terribly sour, but there's a little bit of tartness there. 
Um, and we, we didn't pitch anything for it to happen. It just kind of, it did happen. Natural. But that's, but that's also one of the ones like with that. And even like with the barrel age death roll, I mean, both of those, we just let sit for, I mean, I think both of those, we, they sat for over a year mm-hmm. and that was just kind of letting those flavors, um, develop or let some flavors that we weren't happy with kind of disappear. Um, and that's kind of actually where, like, with all of our beers, we're really adamant that when we release it, that's the best time to drink it. Like, mm-hmm. like when we release a bar- when we release a barrel aged beer, like we're saying, like this is the peak time. Like, if you want to age it some more, that's fine, but don't ever expect it to be for, in our in our minds. Don't ever expect it to be better, better than, than when now. we release it because we would never give people a beer to be like, oh yeah, and sit on this for six months and see what happens. It's like, right. Oh, yeah. so you don't want to have a bottle that says this can be kept for one to five years? No, no, exactly. I don't know any bottles that are like that that are out <laughs> right now. I mean, that's good to know that you I, release. I age a lot of beers, and and whether they're meant to be aged or not, uh, <laughs> I age a lot. No, no. I mean, if if you know what beers can and can't be aged, then you can age. You know what I mean? Like if they're meant to be or not, you can age an imperial stout of almost any kind. I mean, they're not, it's going to change right. the complexity of it, but it's not. I mean, some of them are meant to age, some of them aren't, but. Yeah, you, there's very little risk in doing it. So, so, so I do age a lot of beers that if I get doubles, if I get duplicates, I'll keep mm-hmm. one tucked yeah, away just, in the back it's of a one closet of those, or it's, something. We're just kind of like, if it turns out worse, don't be yeah. mad oh, because yeah. like right. that's, you know what I mean? <laughs> you aged it, not us. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> right. What are you going to say, RJ? Oh, so like with, with uh, aging, like I, I've never been big on aging. And then I had an Alaskan smoked porter from like a 2015 to 2011. And I didn't, re- I, I finally understood the aging process and what it can change and it blew my mind. If you if you ever get the opportunity to do any vertical of any kind for more than two or three years, if you can do three or four year vertical of any any beer that's worth doing a vertical of, you'll see so much difference in between them that it's like if you can try them side by side, it's yeah, unbelievable. My, my big challenge is that I see that beer and it's just sitting there and it's calling me. It's, I want you can hear beer. it whispering. Yeah, it's get like precious. I'll, like tell you, just, I'll tell yeah. you a secret. Just put it in the back of the fridge. You'll forget about it in a no, week. No, it calls to me. It calls That's what me I do. Like the, it calls me like the gold in Pirates of the Caribbean. The wind changes, pushes me towards the kitchen. It's bad. All right. Well, here's the real secret is buy so much beer that it's impossible to drink it all, and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, you know hard. what? I We've got do a closet. A, we got a closet, a pantry, a cupboard. Uh, a back of another closet. Where right. else we got here? We so, got a wine rack. So, Ryan, to jump back to Ryan. So, you're very big on... <laughs> Ryan, we're coming at you again. Yeah. So, you're very big on when I give you this beer out there to sell it, this is when you need to drink it. You don't want to age it. Don't. We've done the work for you. Now Pretty it's much, time yeah. for you to enjoy it. Don't. So, you've kind of cut out the middleman. I don't need to shelf it because you've shelved it for me. That's your kind of brewery. That is. That's my kind of guy. Well, it's just, he it's, does the work for you. Know, yeah. It's just one of those that, like, like, with our wild and sour stuff, I mean, we're not afraid to sit on it for a while ourselves because it's it's our it's our pet project it's our fun stuff like we're not it's not a revenue stream for us like it is other breweries so there's really no pressure for us to to release anything um and so yeah it's like we'll we'll sit on a brett beer and let it really mellow out and let it do its thing for a year until where some people might push it out in three months you know Mm -hmm. all right i have a question Thank you. Coming at you. Break. All right. Oh, at I was going to say, I have plenty of questions. You, I'm so, so at this point where you guys are, do you guys think that you're at the point where there's infinite options on what you can do with your beer? Or do you think that you're still kind of, I don't want to say building the brand because your brand's established in the central Florida area and definitely even in Florida for the greater part. But 
you're doing a lot of limited release stuff, as we've talked about, a lot of releases, a lot of different treatments. Do you feel that there's no limit to what you can do as a treatment? Because there are obviously infinite beer ideas. Yeah, I mean, it's so. In the words of Kevin Garnett, is anything is possible? Anything is possible. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It's I guess the short answer would be yes, but the long answer would be probably no because there's a lot of stuff that we would never even want to look at doing. Is it by due to location because you're in a much warmer, you know, tropical style climate that you can't do certain things? Stout or? sell in Florida. I'm telling you. Oh yeah, it well, gets below. It's 69 so degrees outside. If it gets one degree below 70, I'm putting a sweater on, as you can see, and I'm going stout and Puerto Rico. It's like 78 today. <laughs> well, we're into air conditioning, so I'm okay. You know, um, not necessarily that. It's actually more like, like I would love to do more stuff with like um, spontaneous fermentation, but like we only had one day in this like last winter that we were allowed to do it, so we only have like one batch of spontaneous in the works right now. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we get more, but like that's definitely limiting. We also like to use local ingredients, okay. which in Florida then becomes limiting. So, um, yeah. There's not a lot of stuff that's, like, just Florida. I really hope that that spontaneous beer that you're making, you just name it spontaneous. That just sounds amazing. <laughs> well, it's just it, oh, well, the barrels just have uh, Spawn written on them right now. We have no name because it's... Like the movie Spawn of Red Cypress. That works with your color scheme. I just say, I'm just saying, you might want to call those guys up and say, hey, let's make a deal. It just It's one of those, yeah, we're going to let it sit for... I mean, with those, with those Spawns, like the... I mean, you age them for one to three years, so, I mean... We, had, we, we tried it once at this point, but it's only, like, 11, 10, 11 months old, so it's nowhere close. Do you ever, like, like get worried that you're going to run out of space where you have all this stuff sitting around just, you know, taking its time? Have you seen this place? Well, no, but, I mean, <laughs> after a point, does it does it get well, to a point where you're like, oh, we're run- we got to start selling some beer, we're running out of space here? You know, it's, it is one of those in the sense that, um, well, one, I mean, we have hit that with our, with our big distribution cooler where, like, we just, where the pickups all happen to kind of come together in a sense that like holy cow this thing it's 600 square feet we're like triple stacked kegs the whole thing but then all of a sudden all of our distributors come pick up in like a week and a half and then the thing's bare so Mm. i mean we have had that where we're kind of like hey we got beer coming out it's ready but we may not have a place to store it all right um but with the with the wild um stuff and the wood stuff we we try to keep its distance obviously from our clean beer um so we do we were kind of limited in that um, it's also like when we were looking at um, like bourbon barrels, we were like, well, how many do we want? But then it was also kind of like, how many racks do we already have? And we're not going to buy more barrels than racks just because we do have some spare racks already. Mm-hmm. So I have another question, Ryan, coming at you. Um, in recent memory, with, with all these releases that you're doing, I think it's great. I, like, I think I like the bi-weekly more than like once a month and by having like six beers on it. I think it's too much. But in recent memory... What has been one of the beers or beers that you're most proud of? Hmm. You're digging deep. Which which beer is equivalent to your own child is what he's yeah, asking. Yeah. I like that you said which beers are beers. That's the beers which and beers. Beers or beers. Well, so like the, the, <laughs> beers and beers. <laughs> is so coconut beer, death one? It better be. It better be. I was actually I was really happy with um, how Double Hopter Lean and Imperial S'mores came out. Um, and partially it's just because <laughs> you're of just what, smiling. what an <laughs> what an awesome day that was for our second anniversary into, I mean, I think with both of those beers, we got down to like less than 10 cases left after that day. So we were just, I mean, I was just really ecstatic with that because that was, we literally released five beers that day and we almost sold out of three of them. Oh, wow. So two, one was gone and the other two were so, were very, very close. 
That's awesome. That's like that must make you feel real good. Gives gives you the feels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just it was kind of it was just nice to see because like with that day, we obviously had a ton of people come out, people that I've seen quite frequently. But then also we had like I was surprised by how many um, other brewers were there. Like we had the guys from Ten Ten show up, the guys from Ellipsis show up, Hourglass showed up. Like it was just kind of cool to see everyone that we see every once in a while actually coming out and saying hi to us so right well it's cool too because you know those guys if you're a brewer like well one it's it's one of those things i'm a, I'm a restaurant manager i think our food is phenomenal but if i have to eat it one more time i'm gonna just kill myself you know like because <laughs> it's so good but it's like you eat it every day you get sick for of it. a year and a yeah, half yeah, yeah. so these brewers who are brewing this great beer all over town they they're beer people and they want to go out to events that's not their beer because how many times can you drink that same damn beer right so it's really cool when you can because that's that's really what i love about this community we've talked about it before is that that craft beer is competitive but like in a non-competitive way it's like everybody's a friend of everybody but like yeah we compete but like also your beer is great so we want to come drink it you know Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of if you are a beer person where are you going to go you're going to go to your competitors breweries to drink beer and you have to at least like it you know or, or play nice right right so it's cool it's really cool when the, everybody gets together in the community and they go to each other's breweries and they try each other's beer and well and it's and it's also it's like it's not uncommon i mean just thinking over the past few months like like a crooked can has borrowed uh blank, blank crowlers from us you know and then when they got their shipment in, they, they they you know kind of returned them back but mm-hmm. then like even recently like we borrowed a 50 pound bag of oats from hourglass and then when we got our shipment in we you know we went over there and brought it back and gave them some beers and then like uh, even more recent is like we ran out of uh, lids for our cans and so we hopped over to ply linda and they gave us a few sleeves to make it through our run and you know now we'll be returning the favor back to them but see i also think that helps the healthy competition is good but helping out your competitors is also good because it keeps the you want the competitiveness. You yeah. want to have, like, if you only had one one guy in the game, no one's interested. But you have four or five, yeah, you do share the wealth, but you get more people also coming in as I well. I would rather have everyone in Orlando making super high-quality kick-ass beer than us, like, be the only one that does that. Well, yeah. I mean, you know? Look, look at, like, the Tampa market, which used to be. I, I would say, I mean, there are still a lot of really quality beers, but now there's so many breweries there that it's it's almost watered down a little bit in the Tampa market. But look at, let's say, three, four years ago, Tampa Market. Everybody being so quality made everybody more successful because people would travel to Tampa just to go try beer. I would. We were from Orlando. We'd go over to Tampa once a month just to go try, oh, dude, let's go do a brewery run over in Tampa. And right now... I mean, we go down to South Florida. We go down. To, we hit you know Saltwater on the way down oh, to Del Rey. God, I'm so jealous. We go down to to Boca. We hit Barrel of Monks. We hit Due South. We hit Copper Point. We go down and we go to Funky Buddha. Um, I mean, there's so many breweries down in, in Miami. The quality of beer is what's bringing us down there. If it was one brewery, like Funky Buddha is is still I know the sellout or whatever, still <laughs> one of my favorite boo. breweries. <laughs> I love everything that they put out. That brewery by itself maybe has enough pull to get me down there once every six months yeah but agreed. the package of the fact that i right. can also go to do south and saltwater and barrel amongst and possibly we go as far as miami we can go to mia lauderdale uh freaking i mean everybody jay wakefield down in the winwood area winwood not really so much winwood brewing but winwood area of all the beers <laughs> um 
I mean, everything down there, you go down there for that, for the quality of beer. Shots fired? (laughs) Shots fired, but I have fired those shots a lot of times. (laughs) So when you're talking about traveling, uh, one big thing, of course, in Central Florida we're all aware of is the Central Florida Ale Trail. And I have been making that journey, right? And I've been documenting it and talking about all the breweries. And I finally made it here to Red Cyber, so I'm going to get my stamp today. I'm very proud of that. But what I've noticed is when I've gone to each of these places and I start talking about the trail and talking about different beers I'm trying, they talk about other places. So they're like, oh, when you go here, you've got to try this. So they're actually giving me recommendations from other breweries of trying those beers while I'm trying those beers. And then when you go to those places, it's vice versa. So it's a... Uh, it is a community. It's because it, it's a craft, right? It's a trade. It is a business, but it's it's some pseudo crazy blend of the two, which makes the community come together. But at the same time, it's making profit. I right. absolutely need to get my beer map up here. I did not know they had one for Central Florida. I have one for my, for like the Treasure Coast, and we really? have started ours. Lame. Side door was on the list, and they were the ones who told me about Copycat. it. I guess. <laughs> No, I think it's set up through the state tourism department. Ours is actually was we we actually started our own Central Florida oh, you um, did. guild. Yeah, and the idea was that we we saw some industry practices that we were not um, happy with. You know, I think uh, one of them that we don't we actually refuse to take part in are um, for-profit beer fests, mostly because. Well, I say that. We'll do for-profit beer fest, but they better they better be buying our beer. <laughs> right. Hey, we're not doing for-profit beer fest. For okay, free. we do for-profit beer fest. <laughs> well, no, no, not for free. But, but what gets what gets me is that when like yeah. someone's like, "Oh, hey, we're going to donate like we're we're going to bring in like 150 grand on this event, right? We're going to donate like 5 or 10 grand to charity, but we need you to donate your beer and donate your time and then staff a tent." That's what, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then it's like it's like, "No, like I'll give you my time." And but you you pay for the beer if you're going to make money and it's not it's it's more of the principle because like it has to go through our distributor at that point right and so like those two kegs those two slims that they're going to buy it's it's nothing like really in terms of like any kind of it but it's it's the principle that like why should another business be making money off of our free product your charity yeah right exactly and so it's it's just it's kind of like I love doing the events for charity. but yeah, not the not the for profit. Yeah. I forget that. Yeah, I think I'm I'm to a point now with beer with any type of beer festival where I feel that a they've apex they've hit this market share where there's too many out now. Every other day there's a beer fest. I think and B I want some damn food at my beer fest. I get it. Oh, it's four hours of drinking beer. If there's no food included, I'm going to die. It's so going to happen. So you're a team pretzel necklace then? I am anti-pretzel necklace. That is <laughs> disgusting. The only reason, oh, are those pretzels salted? Oh, they will be in a couple of hours. <laughs> That's disgusting to me. No, but for example, uh, Red Cypress goes to Soggy Jake's Beer Festival every beer. year at Universal, right? So Jake's Beer Festival is a cheaper event than some other beer festivals, and you get food included. Now, granted, it's Universal. They can do the food at a, at a cheaper cost, but there has to be a way to incorporate food and beer and pair it properly where you can really showcase quality of not only food in the area, but the quality of beer and how it pairs well, and there should be more of those. I know you guys do a lot of... You've done a few of them, the the, the pairings, right? We do the food, yes. meals, yeah. yeah. Like here at the brewery, right? Or Yeah, yeah. So actually, here we've done where... We have um, we've done it a few times where we do like beer and cheese in production, so it's um, right. you know it'll like like max of like twenty to thirty people, right. and usually myself or Garrett, our head brewer, will lead it, 
and you know it's like we do like five beers five cheeses um usually really really intimate event actually um and then we actually even did one garrett rubs your shoulders how does yeah. that feel <laughs> well it's it's like one of those that is like hey this is a really <laughs> sensual event but that's because we're using all five senses it's not because like <laughs> barry white's playing Whoa. in the background <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like oh. that cheese? Yeah. How's that cheese taste, baby? <laughs> but we actually even did one where we, we raised a cow on our spent grain and then did a whole, like, seven-course meal where that cow was utilized in every single course. Oh, my gosh. So it's like, okay, everybody, we're going to murder this cow. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, actually. I think that's really cool. That That's a whole, like, complete circle of creation right there. That's really neat. Yeah, that's that, events like that I think are super cool and unique. And, and the whole the whole step in going to, like, raising the cow and all that and then – Brutal, sure, but it, yeah, it all well, then, works then out. Yeah, you have my wife who has to like drive around cow. to like middle of nowhere, Florida, to go pick up this slaughtered cow <laughs> in our minivan. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> so that was that was an experience in itself. Just, yeah, we did some, it. We made some it good happen. old boy goes. Y'all want some drippings? And he's got like a cup of blood in his thing, right? Just Ugh. don't name the cow. It's all good. Once, yeah, you, yeah. once we, you name it, have, it's personal. But it was then it's yeah. personal. It's right where your kids seat, sit or in the van. It's cow parts. Okay, so fest beer. That's the one? That's the good one? That's Yeah, the fest that's, beer. That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, so I, I guess it depends. Like like looking at the list, like it depends on what you might be in the mood for. So I'm always Ooh. in the mood for death roll, but I just had to Got to use all five senses, I'm Jeff. Gonna, I'll do a fest. So <clears throat> I have another. I'll get something later. So you have another question, RJ? Because I, I have tons we're, of we're, questions. I do, right too. It's your show. I promised him not four. Right, so, so I have a ton hour. of questions too, but before I want to make sure that we're all good on questions before I. I don't care, man. I have the I'm last good. set of two. I have the last set of two. You only paid me for an hour, so I don't really care what we do after that. <laughs> okay, so question uh, 5A I have for it coming out. 16B. 16B. <laughs> Just say C for every so other the, this answer. This is the typical, like, so what's what's new with what's coming out with Red Cypress? What do you have planned for the future? Anything, all the, the plug in anywhere, which existed, then died, then I guess we brought it back again. It's a zombie. Yeah. So what's what's coming? What's in the near future for Red Cipher? Yeah, so super near future, we have two. Our next two releases, obviously, are already in the tanks. <laughs> uh, we're doing a double Spook Hill, so it is Spook Hill, double malt, double hops. So it's literally going to be like a ten percent double that, pale right? ale. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll swing it. <laughs> and then we did a, a Belgian strong. It's like going to be like a dark strong, with that uh, we spiced with cinnamon and some other spices, and then brewed it with cranberries. So I'll get you that. Both cans, both cans. Both are going to be cans. All right, Don't yeah. So yeah, you know, both of those. Set good. some aside for me, and I'll come pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the double beer releases. What maybe maybe new programs? I know you got the quickie sour. Are you guys going to experiment more with the the Berliner style? I think so. Um, we're kind of we haven't done one in a while. So actually, I think the last one was like we had released like a year ago. So I think we're going to kind of see now that we are canning. Um, we put it in cans, kind of see how it goes, and that's really good. Go from there. Um, yeah, that's the other really thing good. too is we are launching North Florida in January, um, and then we're looking, I think, Tampa <gasps> March. Ooh. Hit that Tampa market. Yep. It's open. Let's go. All right. Side question to that: How come Tampa and not South Florida? Um, just kind of going to fill in the map, right? So okay. we were we're Orlando through Daytona up through Jacks. Um, and Georgia and North Carolina. Because I've seen your beers in Savannah. Yeah. So I was yep. like, oh, I didn't know they got this far north. So then we're kind of filling the rest of the state, and then we're going to kind of start working down. 
Jeff, work sorry, down, bud. Please work down. Please go everywhere where I'm Jeff down, isn't. I'm yeah. down. Big I'm in Palm Beach him. County. We could do this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Who would you? Well, you'd have to go through somebody else, a different distributor. Down well, there, we have. Yeah, we're, right. we're actually signed with Cavalier for the rest of the state. Oh, beautiful. We have Cavalier. Sign yep. up. So that's where we're with Cavalier and Jacks. Um, we're gonna. That's where we're opening up with them for everything else. Okay. Just not Jupiter, man. Sorry. Not yet. Not Palm Beach County. Everywhere. S O L. So second question, man. How about them nights? Oh, how about them nights, man? Let's let's <sighs> dive away from the beer talk and get a more bar conversation. How the about best them team in Florida? Obviously. How about them UCF nights? So basically, anyone who's listening to this now, you can turn it off because this is you already know yeah, what happened. Now we're getting a sports so. talk. Yeah, this is sports talk radio with Winnie in the Bud. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like I've, I, that was tight. I, 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 I love I love the pause. He was I like, went to UCF. Uh, like it's we're all UCF alumnus. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like like. I, after I graduated, I moved down back down to Fort Myers, and then I came back. And my first year back, like the first thing I did once we decided we were moving back to Orlando is I bought season tickets for UCF football. And that was 2013. That was the year that we went. With the Baylor. With the, yeah, Fiesta Bowl and everything. <laughs> so which, which one's I better? I was at the Fiesta Bowl. Is this year's better or is O'Leary and that season? This, this like year. The Bortles oh better. Oh, my God. Well, so I will – well – Let's see we'll how see. the rest <laughs> of the season ends. goes. <laughs> Let's it see. Ain't over. But but I'll say like like in terms of uh, dominating this year, definitely right because there's really only been two close games and they've been the last the last two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the last two games against really quality opponents, well, both that, of which should have been ranked. One of them was, but one of them eleven was weeks not. without Stupid a, without CFP. a bye week because of the hurricane. So I mean, yeah. like, the team's tired too. Um, but so yeah, so we'll see. I think. You know, what was exciting about 2013 was, like, every single game was, like, a heart attack. Even, like, the they loss were, to South Carolina close. was only by three points, so it was... It was insane. Yeah. Every game was close. Even the Louisville game, we were losing until the last drive, and Bortles threw it to Jeff Godfrey yeah. to win the game. J.J. Ward and was, was that, doing circus catches every freaking game. How's that T.J. Fridays for that? All, I mean, everything. It was insane. Mm-hmm. So, it... What year did you graduate? You oh, nine. oh, nine. You beat me by my fr- year. And I got drunk. And God, got I feel so out. old sitting at this table. I'm the oldest guy here now. I'm positive. That's terrifying. How old are you? 33? 31. Oh! I am the old man. <laughs> but I'm also dressed the youngest, so go figure. <laughs> young? I don't know if Indiana you Jones is young. young. <laughs> so, he so, will be when uh, what's-his-name takes over his spot. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think, Ryan? Shia. Come back, catch you again. So you, this season, compared to all the other seasons, compared to like the whole big UCF picture of being an alumni, being big, big into the football, what has this year meant compared to the other years, and what, what is it like being a fan? I know yeah. what it's like being a fan well, for me, and I almost cry every week because we win. <laughs> I'm in tears. I was at the USF well, that's, game. That's because almost we cried won. because I was just so excited. Well, the loss he, that was, to we be did fair, it. you're already pre-crying for your Giants loss, so. You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so like like my first no, Gino. Well, my let's go first find him, UCF Jeff. home game was when we snapped the nation's longest losing streak and beat Marshall and yeah. like and <laughs> I went on the field with everyone and I remember tearing down the goalposts and those making it back to UCF and being living on campus and watching part of that post getting thrown into um, the reflection the pond. Yeah. Yeah, way exactly. to love your, your team so much you vandalized the stadium. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> funny story cool. about that uh, that goalpost. Unnamed fraternity at UCF that I happen to be a member of has that goalpost in their attic at uh, fraternity house on campus. Just so you know. I'm not. Because <laughs> I've awesome. seen it. It has about a billion signatures on it. I don't know who signed it or where those came from. But yeah, that, so that goalpost is in a, is is in an how attic. Much res- 
Cypress beer is out in the UCF area? Is there a lot? It's a dry campus. <laughs> no, no, there's a lot actually. Because like, um, there's three or four places on campus that sell our beer. Um, Chili's. <laughs> David back ribs. <laughs> And then there's a ton of places around around nearby. Yeah. So in other words, it's, yeah. you would assume That's you would want that if I was if I had there was good beer and they also were an alumni of the you know the school, I would want to have that around the area and just yeah. Really and actually, represent so it. the the last last so I have club seats for UCF. Oh whoa! Well, well wow! But, whoa. Come on, come on. It's where you can you can actually buy beer in the club seats. Yes. And so last year we were actually I was actually able to drink. My own beer. In Devil's chair and watch UCF. Football. I had, is that I had like the seats. most ultimate thing you can do? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I graduated uh, school. I'm a business owner. Club seats. I'm in the club seats. I'm drinking my beer and I'm like, oh, I was at good I, I, I was club. I was club seats for it. the USF <laughs> game and drinking beer at the game is a game changer, big time game changer. And we were in the club seats behind the visitor side, and we happened. Is all a big mix up, but StubHub really hooked us up. We ended up <laughs> with the with the handicap <laughs> seats at the front of the lower bowl. <laughs> So there's no one in front of us. We're literally in the walkway behind the, the, the and I mean, I think me and USF fans really bonded over how much I could just talk to them from three feet away. <laughs> like like we, we actually like they know me, I know them. We were that close. Like a head nod and a hearty handshake. Re- yeah, it was definitely handshakes and head nods for sure. It was yeah, not anything yeah, yeah, profane sure. or bad or anything yeah. like that. It was yeah. definitely in that game. It was all about respect, you know. <laughs> So Ryan, one last side question: Are you? <laughs> I got regular I, questions. Listen, now. listen, I got, I gotta know: Are you gonna work with UCF to to make a UCF we have, beer? We've talked. We've actually oh. we have talked. Um, it's obviously when it comes to them putting their name on. Beer, right, I understand. You know, right, 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 right. You know, um, but I'm I'm hoping now. It was like we were kind of talking leading up to football and just we kind of put everything on pause obviously with the season now right um so now that it's kind of over i'd like to re reopen it because like you like like new belgium did it for csu mm-hmm. um i don't know if that's an official partnership with csu or if it's just kind of a um they new let belgium you use just, or or we won't or sue just, you for doing this or yeah. new because Bel- i think even like but new belgium was using like an old csu logo and so, Dude, if you get the citron knot, oh, that would be tough. Dude, no, are you kidding? Nitro's nitro. Oh, that's a good one. That's so. I was just thinking something that. simple, classic that's golden so night ale. Nitro. Well, exactly. Yeah, I was honestly so oh, yeah, even terrible. just something just like, that, a, like a Pegasus golden ale or something. Or, oh, Pegasus or, golden ale, sold. or just like a like even I think one of the things I had pitched was just like a, a charge on pale ale. Oh, charge on. That's, that's tight, not bad. Yeah. So I was like, just like keep it simple. So I think we'll continue discussions and see where it goes. Nice, nice. It was. They were definitely open to it. It was just obviously like because it was the director of sports marketing I was talking to, and he was or the VP or whatever, and he was like, just obviously like legal, just kind of like, you know, kind of dinged in his head first. Right. Thought. Have you ever have you ever <laughs> yeah. tried it with any other like professional teams in the area? Because I mean, we do have a basketball City. team. Well, we, we have talked, Orlando City. We talked soccer. to Orlando City, and they were interested, but their Heineken deal kind of excludes them from doing anything like that. Because obviously, we have a connection with Tom and Dan, Tom and Dan, and them. Right. Um, so the, you know, they were they were definitely interested in doing something because you see but that, that Heineken money. Well, well, you big. See, it doesn't, it doesn't but you see that out west, where like like the Timbers, they have a deal. With a local brewery, but yeah. then they we also do have, have like a macro brewery deal. But it just—I like think how Heineken wrote it is they were trying to, yeah, yeah, make it work. Yeah, because I mean, they—it's not like they don't sell other beers. They sell—you yeah. can get fat tire, you can get this, you get that there. But yeah, make, I guess working something you know permanently branded that. with it, people would want to go towards that rather than maybe getting a Heineken and 
Well, Soccer and Heineken are a match made in heaven. They're married for life. It's yeah, now we did sponsor this this wonderful event right. that I uh, have so been wearing a shirt for. I don't know if you guys have ever been out to the. It's, oh, I have. It's, it's one have of the I most. Ever. It's one of the <laughs> toughest sports I've ever been a part of. Uh, mostly because I've lost twice in the first round each of the two times I've oh, done it. Oh no! Well, I've heard it's it's uh, it's getting serious now because like didn't like Audi or somebody come out there? Oh yeah, yeah. So we're talking about uh, just for those that didn't pick up on it, we're talking about uh, Sofa and Suds, which is Sanford. The in Sanford once a year annual couch racing. They we um, the the guys that put it on went from Rolling Rock was a sponsor. Um, and they changed over uh, with us this year because they wanted to tie in someone local. Um, and so we actually brewed them like a Pilsner for the event that um, went over really, really well and just kind of, yeah. So, um, but yeah, Audi, like, I don't even, like, the <laughs> money that they must have put into their couch, like, I was embarrassed where, like, yeah, it mine was, was, like, three hours and 50 bucks from Home Depot. And, like, the, <laughs> they, they had, had like, a whole a, team, like, lifting it up. It was How a, do you a, couch? a welded frame with that actually had... Um, that's usable, cheating, man. Come on. Usable drive. Like, they had actually a real usable steering wheel on the front with the. It's even like an Audi grill attached. Like, Get out of here. That's not fair. You imagine, like, this, like hey, do we have they a grill to sit in Oh, well, I mean, they. If yeah. they didn't win, it'd be embarrassing for them. They have to it's win. Like, it's, like, it's like Richard Petty. Like, of course you're going to get uh, better quality. Richard Petty had uh, sponsors and stuff in the racing, and he was winning out all the time. Well, Audi's doing that with couch racing now. Apparently, they're taking over the couch racing yeah. game. Yeah, so go Knights. Go Knights. <laughs> yeah, as we got totally out topic, yeah. go Knights. Are we uh, top ten, you think? We'll find no, out yeah, by we'll the time out. this we'll is find released. Out. They're doing the playoff. Yeah, they just AP did the playoff thing. 10, or ten, I think, now. So we'll see. But, yeah, we should find out in, like, 20 minutes where we're at. Better be uh, over Miami. What do you yeah. think of Scott Frost leaving? Oh, it's expected, unfortunately. Okay. It was I figured, um, yeah. It was one of those, like, so I was just – it was it was when Riley was gone, he was going there. Yeah. It was just a bummer that it happened so quickly, you know. But it's kind of like look at what our AD did two years ago, so hopefully he like can – Danny White. Yeah, Danny so, White I trust. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So hopefully he can kind of do it again. Who do you he think? can lead the way for yeah. another uh, run. Dun-dun-ts. Who do you think they're we're getting? All, they're not all gold, I folks. haven't even begun to, thought about, begin to think about it because, like, I, I don't know. I think, I think the UCF – from two years ago is it's a completely different it's a different job and it's oh, yeah. i think i think honestly we could entice a different kind of coach too we're so. the we're the boise state of college football now it's like the the nation was captivated by us this year i don't know if anybody else heard it from like their friends from all over i have a friend in seattle granted he's a ucf alumnus but like they're they're talking about us in Seattle. We're the most exciting offense in football to watch. People right. watch our games. They tune in. Like I remember when Boise State started that rise, or TCU started their rise from like like out of conference, out of Power Five conferences, and they decided they were going to be a top fifteen, top twenty team. And like, dude, Boise State could score. They score seventy points any week, and that's what we're doing now. And it's it's really cool that people are talking about us all over the country. And I think that coaches want to coach here. There's so much talent. It's a hotbed of recruiting. Um, and, and with UF and FSU and, like, who knows what's going on with them, the, the recruiting can only get better for the next couple of years at least. So, uh, right. Your I, only concern is that you've got to keep challenging, you know, power coach, five teams. We need a coach who's going to challenge. She's going to yeah. challenge every team every week. Yeah, so you got to do that because, I mean, your conference is still not strong. I mean, it's a decent conference, but it's not. Like, it's still, what, Carolina and – three teams. Yeah, there's there's three teams. USF and us. Yeah. Okay, closing statements. Wrapping it up. You turned off your computer. No, it went off. 
So, RJ. Have we even been recording this whole time? I, did, yeah. I thought we were yeah. just hanging out. Start over. Start over. RJ, man, what do you got going on? Tell us. Uh, right now it's know. the holiday season, so uh, I, I hibernate in the winter. So there's not much. Um, I will be uh, reporting on uh, Japan and Korea come uh, February. I'll be at the Rolex 24 before that and then Iceland right before that. So I've got a huge heavy load in January, February, and uh, March. And then I'll probably be on the Alaska cru- on a cruise in Alaska come uh, right. July. So we, need, we need to make a I didn't know you were going to Iceland. <laughs> On the show official, we've talked about this like 200 times. There is a whale testicle beer that is only sold in Iceland, and I need you. Need you to get it. Three bottles. Me. I'll venue. Three venue bottles you of money. whale it, testicle beer. Three Valor, bottles is called, not enough. A hundred bottles. Get as many as you can possibly buy. Valor buy. three. We need to get one for Ryan, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ball, is, whale balls all around. Whale, whale testicles smoked over sheep's dung. We got to try Valor it. three. You got to try it. I will two. gladly drink that while sitting in the Blue Lagoon, hanging out with monkeys, getting warm in the hot springs. All right, as long as you give us three bottles. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, what do you awesome. got going on? We have a hookup for Iceland. <laughs> Guys, in new news, I have a hookup for Iceland. Uh, uh, what's going on? Uh, it's our 50th episode, guys. You yeah. stuck with us for the better it? part of two years. <laughs> Man. It feels it, I, it's great to be back in Orlando. It's great to be at the table with you, actually doing an episode live with Ryan as well. Because Ryan, I feel like the first episode I actually remember doing was yours. <laughs> believe it or not, because as Mike, yeah, Mike yeah, can attest, those drinking, hey, those yeah, first ooh. few episodes were. Ooh, ooh. I was getting a little too tipsy, so uh, it's come a long way. I'm really happy to be here, and uh, uh, great to be back at Red Cypress. And I love drinking your beers all the time. So I guess my plug would be for Red Cypress. Yeah, thank you, Ryan finish us out all right guy thing nice to say <laughs> go nights go nights no yeah. no it's um uh you know i mean i know you guys have been around for a couple of years it's been a it's been a crazy couple of years for us too so i'm just uh i'm excited just that the craft beer community has, def- has embraced us you know and and appreciates what we're doing you know because that was that was my big fear when we opened up was the the orlando market was really sophisticated but there was not a supplier to match it. And so, you know, fine. Like I was kind of nervous, like is, is the Orlando market going to be like able to acknowledge someone coming in and making quality beer? You know, are they just going to think like that everyone in Orlando is, is, you know, just another tier below, like some of the other national or regional brands that they can get. But I mean, there's a lot of love out there for us, and I really appreciate all of it. Awesome. Yeah, man. Red Cypher's killing it, as always. I mean, we said that. All the time. We said that when we when we first yeah. started try, trying your beers. Was, it was like Orlando Market was ahead. Like you were saying, it was ahead of craft beer, but everybody who came and upstarted in Orlando, all the breweries, just didn't meet the quality that everybody was looking for. Um, and so I could see how that'd be really intimidating to come into that market. Yeah, and it was just like our my goal from the very beginning was like I wanted our beer to be on that quality with like New Belgium or Founders or or honestly like like anyone on a national level that um, that could come on in, you know? Because if if our beer is that good and we're the but we're nearby, I mean that's people are going to choose local just because. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I can tell you with a lot of confidence, somebody who drinks a lot of beer, you guys, you're on that level. You yeah. absolutely Thank are. You. Everything, everything I've ever had from you guys is is national distribution quality or better. Dilly dilly. Dilly dilly. dilly. <laughs> so once again, guys, thanks again for – uh, I almost said watching. God damn it. Listening. Listening. It's been a long it's been a time while, since man. watching. Yeah, I know. It's been a while. <laughs> so I just want to give a, a, one last thank you to Ryan for sitting with us and letting us interview him and pick his brain and thank being a good sport. All the time. Only an hour and ten minutes. Hey, there you go. I get to go and uh, to 
go on Tom and Dan tomorrow, so we'll repeat this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I'm excited for that one. That means there's going to be a lot of drinking on that show. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So just want to thank you again, man, for always being down for anything I throw your way and always saying yes. And it means a lot to us to have, have you always, you know, support us and sit with us. Yeah, and uh, well, thank us. you for the reminder on posting on Instagram yesterday because <laughs> – I you re- forgot. I thought it was like a Monday or Tuesday thing, and I'm like, oh, it's Sunday. All right, I'll be there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, okay. A little yep. incognito, like, hey, we're coming. Yep. No, so, honestly, uh, like, I, I hate to say it, but like, I, you I forgot. Thought, no, I thought I put it on my calendar. <laughs> right. But then it was like, I, I can't find it. So I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad that yeah. uh, someone reminded <laughs> me. I do that with every single obligation I have. I know. I saved that somewhere. <laughs> I saved that somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, dude, thank you always. For, for being sitting with us and thank you RJ for coming out and Always joining a us pleasure. on our 50th episode oh yeah and Backpack milestone. Social too is a yeah, plug Backpack Social yeah. yeah Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Backpack Social we also have a, a blog at backpacksocial.wordpress.org because I don't pay for uh, the website why am I going to get an official name for it <laughs> at Blackpack Black Social Black, Black what, Pack, what? no that's, the, that's my other website no backpacksocial.wordpress.org uh, but, yeah, it's more social media stuff. I, I do post there as well. So every trip we do. I've got my uh, Kruger National Park one coming up, so you'll be able to see. Did you say uh, Kruger? Kruger, yeah. Oh, okay. Kruger. Kruger, like Freddy. <laughs> okay. No, that's Kruger. No, that's Kruger. <laughs> Kruger is uh, what I saw at Kruger, but okay. that's another story. <laughs> so, anyway, be sure to check out Backpack Social and come by Red Cypress and give Ryan a hard time and tell him, hey, Ryan, we're coming at you one more time. <laughs> dilly dilly. <laughs> dilly dilly. But until next time, we will see you guys at the bar.